This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Praise the Lord. Glad all of you made it out for baby dedication. Very special, huh? You know, the Bible says that children are a heritage of the Lord. I believe that. And so, bless, bless, bless. Well, I'm delighted to see all of you here today. Again, if you're watching by live stream, we welcome you here. Uh, if you've got your Bible, go with me the book of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, and we're on our series here called GPS, Giving, Praying, and Serving. Years ago, these were three crucial, crucial elements in my life that I had to learn to give from my heart, to learn to pray from my heart, and to learn to serve from my heart. You know, the Lord Jesus said in Acts 20, he said, it's better to give than receive. And I, I believe that with all my heart. So in preparing for this, I began to ask the Lord just little questions. And so just a couple thoughts here to get us going. You know, a year ago at this time, none of us really understood this thing called COVID. It kind of snuck up on us. But a year ago at this time, if someone would have had the cure for the COVID already, wouldn't you want to know about it? Wouldn't you want to have been informed about it? Sure. Every one of us would be. And I believe it's the same in the area of blessing when people can show you biblically how God desires to bless every one of us. Every element of my life, God wants to bless it. And we know how God wants to bless us. Wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to be informed? And so this is part of how this is going again today. So we're going to talk on the area of giving. So open your heart up, but even more so right now, open the Bible up to Malachi chapter 3. Begin with me in verse number 6. For I am the Lord... I do not change. Now, years ago on this verse, I, I marked this in my Bible because we serve a God that does not change. He's incapable of changing. And the rest of verse six there, verse six says, therefore, or this is why you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. The reason you're not consumed is because I've always been good and I'm merciful and I don't change. If I did change, you would already be destroyed and consumed. So if God could change, that would mean that he's not perfect. But we know biblically, even the apostle Peter said, all that's good and perfect comes from him. So we serve a perfect God who cannot change. I want to keep highlighting. You're going to hear me say that over and over tonight because I want you to get a hold of this, okay? I do not change. Verse seven. Yet from the days of your fathers, your ancestors, you have gone away from my ordinances, my decrees, my ordinary principles. You've disobeyed and scorned my word. And he goes on to say, and you have not kept them. You have a long history of ignoring my commandments. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? And so they're actually acting like, 
How can we return because we've never gone away? Or better yet, they, they have the nerve to imply we've never disobeyed you. Now again, I, I want you to hold on to the question they say, in what way shall we return? Verse number eight, will a man rob God? Now, every time I read this in the New Living Translation, it uses the word cheat. Will a man cheat God, yet you have robbed or cheated me, but you say, in what way have we robbed or cheated you? And he said, in tithes, plural, and offerings, plural. Now, when you look at this, these are two separate things. The tithe and the offering are completely different, okay? The tithe literally is a test of your heart. And when you study the tithe, it literally means a tenth. That's what the tithe means. It means a tenth. Now, I'm going to ask you to hold your place right there in Malachi 3. I'm going to come right back to that, but you're going to go to Matthew 6, just a couple pages. We'll go to Matthew 6 and then Matthew 15. And I want you to see this because I believe this will give us a little biblical insight. Matthew 6, verse 21, and we read this last week, and it says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible, most times people reference this and they say, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be, but that's not what he said. He literally said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So he ties your treasure to your heart. You want to find out where your heart's at? Just look where your treasure's at. One of the greatest examples of that is you may have never studied a certain stock on the stock market. And all of a sudden you buy a piece of that stock and you know what you find yourself doing? You study it every day. Maybe a couple times every day. You look why? Because you've now become very interested in it. So again, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. A couple pages over, Matthew chapter 8. No, Matthew 15, I mean. Matthew 15, verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth. And they honor me with their lips. They say the right thing. But their heart is far from me. And so he said, you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. Now, when you read this and you combine this with what Jesus said, and if you'll note, both passages are red letter words. Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Now we go back to Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So again, what he's getting over to this, yeah, I can say one thing, but where's really my treasure at? Well, just follow it and you'll see where your heart ends up going. And this is what I believe he's telling us. Now go back with me to, to Malachi chapter three. And as you're turning there, remember the tithe means 10. The number 10 throughout the Bible, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, always represents a test. The number 10 does. And so if we were to go back into the book of Exodus with the Pharaoh, how many plagues did the Lord send upon the Pharaoh? There was 10. There were 10 tests to soften his heart. If you look in Exodus 20, it's where we find the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions, the Ten Commandments. And so again, there was ten. The Ten Commandments are a test of my heart. If we had time to study, how many tests did the Israelites go through when they were in the wilderness? Ten. Matthew 25, 
There were 10 virgins, and each one of them was tested. So you begin to get the picture, there was 10. How many months are there in a year? 12, not 10, okay? Okay, some of you gotta think a living, just making sure you're awake this morning. 10. So the tithe was a test of the 10. And what you're gonna begin to see is this, that every time you have increase in your life pertaining to a paycheck, that's a test. Will I obey God or will I not obey God? So remember the question was, in what way shall we return? And he said, in tithes and offerings. Verse nine, you are cursed with a curse. You are under a self-imposed curse because you violate God's ordinary principles is what this thing. Now, I don't care if you like this or not, this is B-I-B-L-E, okay? You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me or you have cheated me, even this whole nation. So now in my life, I rewind almost 40 years ago. And I remember talking to a man one day and I started telling him about all the difficulties in my life where it seemed like in my life I had more month than money. How many of you have ever had more month than money? And it was wearing me out. And I thank God for this guy because he looked at me and he said, you know, one of the reasons is this has happened in your life. And I said, why? And he said, because you've robbed God. You've cheated God. Now, when he said that, I got mad. I didn't like that thought. But the more me and Shelly begin to study the Bible, I realized I am walking under a self-imposed curse that I chose to walk in. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. he says in there that I give you a choice that when you obey, there's blessings and when you disobey, there's a curse. And so he said, you're under this curse pertaining to tithes, plural, and offerings, plural. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. When you see the word bring there, note he said, bring it. He didn't say give it. The reason I don't give a tithe is when I bring it to him, I'm bringing it back to him because it was his all the time anyhow. It's not mine to give, it's his. Exodus 13, the principle of the first fruit and the firstborn. You can go back and you can study and God says over and over with that, it's mine. It's mine. Now, it's interesting, he says, bring all the tithe, Every time you experience increase into the storehouse, the New Living Translation for the storehouse says the temple. So he's literally talking about the church. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, when it comes to the tithe, it's not up to me to designate where that goes. God's already designated. Where did he say to bring it? You bring it to the church or the house of God where you're getting fed the word of God. I don't designate that again. God designated that for me. And I believe oftentimes this is where believers get messed up. And, and when I get off track of that and I don't obey what he told me to do, then I'm gonna walk in something that I don't want to. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And you're saying, yeah, I know how you preachers are. Well, I can tell you this. I tithed 20 years before I was ever in the ministry, okay? 
I saw the benefit of it and I saw the blessing. So he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Let me remind you, the God who cannot change said this. Why? That there may be food or resources in my house or in the temple is what the New Living says. And try me now in this. Try me now in this. Can, can I give you my paraphrased edition on try me now in this? I double dog dare you. And that may not mean anything to you, but I grew up on a block that when someone looked at you and said, I double dog dare you, you realize it's on. I'm doing it. And it's like God saying, prove me now in this. So every time in my life, in your life, that I get paid, I'm actually telling the God who cannot change not only how much I love him, but how much I trust him. Now, the tithe is actually, this is one of the greatest, greatest definitions i found. It's an act of worship. Not only an act of worship, it's an act of joyful worship. That I look and I say, man, Father God, I'm so blessed because of you. I, I, I come to the altar because I'm so blessed because of you. True, try me now in this. Now look, look what happens. The latter part in verse 10 says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. The one who actually obeys this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Now continue to read with me. And I will pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. So I'm reading this. Just last week. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm meditating on the word of God. And I'm just pondering, thinking about it. And it says, I'll open to you the windows. Notice windows in, in Malachi 3.10 is plural. So I begin to think in this sense. There must be a lot of windows in heaven. But in your house, in my house, there's a lot of windows. And every window in my house has significance pertaining to that room. And so I think about this, that if you have a window in your kitchen, it's significant because God wants to take care of all your food needs. And if you have a living room, God wants to open the windows of heaven and, and he wants to pour out blessings on your living room, on your family room. And I think about this, that all of you have kids, that, that in your kids' room there's a window. And so God wants to bless your kids. And every one of us that are married, we have a window to our bedroom. And God wants my, my marriage to be blessed. So you know what I begin to realize with this when he says, I want to open the windows of heaven, pour out for you blessings. There will not be room enough for you to receive it. God wants every dimension of your life and my life to be blessed. And you know how that takes place? I learned to honor him with my tithes and offerings. Now I can stand before you and tell you this right now. My life is blessed. My vehicles are blessed. My family is blessed. My marriage has been blessed. For 40 years now, I've seen the blessing of God upon my life. And it's this way. When I step out and honor God, 
So a couple of years ago, I'm around a guy in our church. And he said, Pastor, he said, we never have enough. He said, every time I feel like we're getting ahead, something happens. He said, I just can't have enough. He said, it seems like my marriage is crumbling before me. My children don't serve God anymore. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to ask you a real hard question right now. And I said, I want you to catch my heart before I ask you this, because I love you enough to tell you the truth. Do you honor God with your tithe? And you know what he said, what most people reply back? What does that matter? And I said, everything. It matters everything. And then he said this question. I don't have enough money to tithe. I can't afford to tithe. And I said, no, really, you can't afford not to tithe. And I said, the reason your life is crumbling and doing everything that you're telling me is because you're under a self-imposed curse. And I said, I've been there. I know what that looks like. And so for about four years of me and Shirley's married life, we tried to do everything by the way the world tells us to. And I found out where that got me. And we kept seeing these scriptures and we kept meditating. And I would get around this guy every week and he would, you tithe him, you tithe him. You've got to get out there and tithe. And so you know what we did? We took a step of faith. Let me give you a little hint here. To start honoring God with a tithe, it's going to be a test of faith. I promise. One of the greatest tests of faith. And I used this analogy in the first service, and some of you may know what a slinky is, but your little slinky in your heart, it's going to stretch so bad when you start tithing, you're going to think, my slinky is about ready to get slung. It's about ready to break. Stay with what the Bible said. The, the economy of heaven isn't based on the price per barrel of oil. The economy of heaven, the kingdom of God, is not dictated by Wall Street. It's not dictated by who's president or not president, okay? The economy of God is based on his word. And remember, we're talking about a God who said, and I do not change. Pastor, we're going to have to get you a raise. You're preaching so well today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. The devourer is the devil. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. He won't destroy your crops with disease or insect. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Your grapes won't fall off the vine until they're completely ripe says the Lord of hosts. Verse 11, and all the nations shall call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And so the act of, of, of tithing always arises from obedience and God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. Now, I'm gonna paraphrase just a little bit here on these upcoming verses if I had time, I would take you, and you can look it up yourself, Genesis 14, verse 18 through 20. It talked about the father of faith, the patriarch, a man named Abraham. Abraham tithed. 
He honored God with his tithe. Abraham honored God with his tithe 500 years before the Mosaic law. So it wasn't law when he did it. So why did he tithe? There was something in his heart that said, God, you've been so good to me. His son, Isaac, you know what the scriptures say about Isaac? That Isaac prospered. He continued to prosper until he was very prosperous. I study Isaac. Isaac tithed. Not Matthew, Genesis 28. Start in verse 12 and go through verse 22 and you'll see Jacob. Jacob began to honor God. And he began to tithe. And I looked at the story with, with Jacob and it says in here that Jacob wanted to know God in a personal relationship. So when you look at that passage there, the example to Jacob was his granddaddy, Abraham. And the example to Jacob was his father, Isaac. So uh, Jacob tithed 400 years before it became Mosaic Law. So why did he tithe? I believe with all my heart, Jacob saw the stories and he saw the lifestyle. I mean, he heard the stories and he saw the lifestyle of his granddaddy and his daddy and said, I gotta have a personal relationship with God like my granddaddy did and my daddy did. And I see how they're so blessed. And so you know what the Bible says? He began to tithe. He began to honor God. I believe this is one of the most significant things in the life of a family. Is that you teach your children the principles of God at this age. You know why? They go through life and they never question God. And so one way to help your parents to train your children, you break out 10 pennies and you tell them, Every time you get 10 pennies, that first one's God's. And you live your whole life that way. And you watch the blessing of God upon their life. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Is there anybody in here that has tithed since they were a little boy and girl? If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to see your hand. Stick your hand up real high. That you, you were taught that. Wow. See, there are hands going up. Who bless you. Bless you. Now, for the rest of us who didn't do that, it's not too late. It's not too late. When God said, I want to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you, there will not be room enough for you to receive. Why would anyone in their right mind want to complain or argue about God wanting to bless you? Wow, pastor, that's good. It always amazes me. People get mad. Well, that's all in the Old Testament. You're right, it's in the Old Testament by about 15 verses. But it's still a God who cannot change. So why do you get mad when, when, when we talk about the tithe and stuff? Again, God wants to bless you. Turn with me to Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23. And where I'm taking you here, you're going to find out these are lead letter, lead, red letter words. Meaning Jesus said this. The reason I'm taking you here is 
This is in the New Testament, okay? Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe, what sorrow awaits you, you scribes, you religious scholars, you Pharisees, you frauds, and you hypocrites, you, you pretenders. Now watch his words here. Watch Jesus' words. For you pay tithe of mint and dice and coming. Those were all a means of making a living through like gardening or through their herb farms. So he says, you, you religious leaders, you frauds, you were meticulous on how you tithed. You tithe off the tiniest increase. Now look, he, he admits that. He said, you did that. But you have neglected or ignored the weightier matters of the law. Like justice, to actually walk in love to people. Mercy, to display mercy and faith, to walk in love or to live with integrity. Now, pay real close attention to Jesus' words here. These you ought to have done. So I begin to sit on this. Jesus has thought here, these you ought to have done. The new living says, you should tithe, yes. You should tithe, yes. The giving of the tithe was extremely important, but he said, without leaving the others undone. So you're not exempt from the other uh, directives that God gave you. Now here's what you gotta see in this right here. In Matthew 23, 23, New Testament, the Lord Jesus himself affirmed the tithe. This you ought to have done. This you ought to have done. So you know what he's literally saying? Make tithing a discipline of your life to say, this is what I'm gonna do. The very first thing I'm gonna do Turn with me just to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Galatians 6, and this is what we'll end with. See, it's God's desire. God's desire is to bless us. Again, I, I look at my life and I, I see how blessed I am. It, it's unbelievable what God's done in my life. Is anybody else in here where you can say, That's me, Pastor? I'm, I'm so blessed. That the only, the only reason I have is because God. That's it. My, my life is so blessed. Now, I'm going to throw a little thought in here for you. Don't ever criticize what people have. Because you don't know what they've given to get it. Well, you don't know why. Well, you don't know. They shouldn't live in a big old house like that. You don't know where people have come from. You don't know what they've given. You know what? When I see people live and drive and have nice things, I say, bless you, man. You're honoring God. Bless the Lord. God said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and bless you. Well, you ought to take all that money and give it to the poor. Well, if you're so concerned about the poor, why don't you give them some money? Ooh, pastor. 
Again, I highlight this in our life because many times we get mad. Well, here's the deal. When I look at this, I have the same opportunity to honor God as you do. And so the difference in people's life and not is when I begin to obey the scriptures, the principles that God put out, better stated, the principles that the God who cannot change said. Galatians 6. Verse 7. Do not be deceived. Don't kid yourself. God is not mocked. God will not be made a fool of. For whatever, say whatever, whatever a man sows, that we will also reap. So the very thing that you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Whatever I sow, that's what I'm going to reap. That and only that. Do you know the law of sowing and reaping goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. If you're a Bible thumper and you want to go back and look at it, look at Genesis 1.11 and you'll see that, that God put this in order way back then. So whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. So if I sow bountifully, I'll reap bountifully. If I sow sparingly, I'll reap sparingly. Let me give you another illustration of that. If I sow nothing... I'm going to reap a jackpot. No. I'm sorry to inform you of that, okay? Let me give you a little illustration to help you with that. I, I like to tinker around gardening. And so if you were at my house and you said, what, what, what do you got planted out there, Pastor? I don't have anything planted, but I'm believing that I'm going to have some watermelons come up. You would look at me like, they need to lock him up. They need to take him to the Ha Ha Hotel. He's, he's wacko. You know why? We understand if you want to get a tomato, you're going to have to plant a tomato, okay? We understand that. But sometimes when it comes to the kingdom of God, we don't get this. Verse 8. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will the Spirit reap everlasting life. So the harvest you reap reveals the seed you planted. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart or become disheartened. Can I give you a little insight on the word due season? That's later than you think. Don't grow weary in doing good. God's going to bless us. He's going to do that for every one of us. So first of all, God will cause a harvest to come from our seeds. Second, God is never early, nor is he late, but he's always right on time. And third, our harvest will always have the same nature as the seeds we've sown. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, you may want to circle the word opportunity because the Greek implies finances, giving of finances. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, when I look at that, 
I believe this is probably pertaining to an offering. Remember, an offering is over and above your tithe. The tithe is designated to the church. The offering goes wherever your heart desires. And so, man, every time I have opportunity to do good, you got to do good. You, you, you see a need and you say, man, I'm, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed. To be. Let me tell you this. I'm getting close to, to ending. We've got about 45 minutes so I can tell this story. I, I know this little guy's aunt's here today. And I, I, I don't ever want anyone to say, man, pastor's proud of himself. That's not why I'm telling you the story. But any time I hear need, I, I just listen sometimes to what people are saying. So there's this little rascal here in our church. I think he's about five now. And he would wear these cowboy boots. And every time I'd see him, he'd have these cowboy boots on. And so one day after the service, he's out here in his car seat and he says, see my boots? And I looked at his boots and you could tell he'd put a lot of miles on those boots. They'd been good to him, but they'd, they'd lived a pretty tough life. And I realized how special a pair of boots were to a boy at five. And God's blessed us to be a blessing. And I had opportunity. So I asked his loving aunt who's raising him, and I pray blessings on you for raising them. I said, what size of boot does he wear? She said, a nine and a half. So I went on a mission. Now, I'm just going to be real truthful here. I, I've never owned a pair of boots. I've, I've never been to a Western store in our city. I went to eight different ones. Finally, this young guy comes up and he says, you look like you need help. And I said, I need a lot of help. <laughs> I said, I am out of my element. I said, I've never owned a pair of boots. I don't, I don't even know what I'm really looking for except the nine and a half. And he goes, come on, I got you. Thank you, Lord. I wondered if it wasn't an angel saying, Lord, we got to help him. He's messed up. <laughs> so he took me and he showed me these little pair of boots and I got so moved. And so I, I was like a little kid. I, I couldn't wait till he came to church. And so I, I pulled those boots out one day and there he was. And he looked at those boots and he looked up at me and he, he pulled them out. And everybody who was leaving that day, he was saying, look, look at my new boots. Look at my new boots. And a Sunday ago, I, I, I was standing right here. And here he came strolling in and he put his little leg right there. And, and he pulled his shirt, his little uh, jeans up and he says, you like my boots? And I thought, I don't really care about your boots, but I sure do love you. And I think that's the thing about every one of us. God's put his DNA within you. And so many times we don't ever look outside the box. 
We all have opportunity. And the reason God wants to bless you is he's blessed us to be a blessing. I, I don't tell you this to punish you, okay? I tell you this to help you. Just stand on your feet here today. It's a principle that I had to learn, guys. And so I don't teach you to be legalistic. I don't tell you to tithe out of, out of duty or it's a punishment. It's not even a religious exercise. It's an opportunity to say, I'm going to trust the God who cannot change with my money. And when I do that, I begin to say to Father God, you're my banker. You're my financier. And I'm honored to do this, Father God. And so I highlight Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They understood the significance. And even the Lord Jesus understood the significance. Now just my experience with this in life. I believe when God told us that he would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you. Just through that tithe, it brings every dimension into my life into order. My, my marriage is blessed, guys. My life is blessed. There's so many blessings that are attached. I believe it's uneven. I believe when we get to heaven, it's going it's to rock us to say, this happened because you trusted me. Now, I'm going to make it clear here for the, for the altar call today. Just bow your head right there where you're at. It's like I quoted in Deuteronomy 11. God's so gracious. He, he gives us a will to choose. He said, you choose. You choose. To obey, there's a blessing. To disobey, there's a curse. You choose. And I said that the tithe is one of the greatest acts of worship. And so what would happen if we came to the altar? And we said, Father God, I'm, I'm making a commitment to you for the year of 2021. I'm, I'm gonna tithe. And if you've been a tither all your life, man, get ready. God's gonna bless not because I say so, because God said so. And if there's areas of in your life, remember he said, prove me now in this. So here's what I want you to do, that if you desire to say, Lord, I'm, I'm coming to make a commitment to you. I'm, I'm going to honor you. And that may be you and your wife. Get into agreement and say, we're going to step out in 2021. Or you may have been tithers and you're just saying, we're coming to the altar. I'm going to come and I'm going to bow before you and I'm going to give you thanks today. Remember, the God who can't change. The God who can't change. I'm opening up these altars, guys. It's between you and God, okay? Go ahead. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.